Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is a bonus episode of Catching Foxes. Uh, I, uh, I'm with uh, one of our most beloved interviewees, uh, <laughs> Dave uh, the Rage Man Vickle. Uh, did you ever have like a nickname when you were a bouncer? No. Uh-uh. Yeah, they used to call me Father Dave. <laughs> yeah, to make fun of me. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. And then you just yeah. start shaking and you start healing, right? Is that what happened? You exactly. Like exactly. Cool. Cool. Exactly. Dave, I have a feeling two things are going to happen. Uh, number one, you're going to be a frequent reoccurring guest. That yes. number two, we're going to spin out into uh, an eight-episode series between me and you. How does that sound? Ooh, that sounds amazing. It does sound amazing. But before we go into that, you need to let us know. You just made a really awesome post on uh, Forming Intentional Disciples, which is uh, a forum on Facebook that's private. Suckers. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, about your experience with the Pope in Philly. Can we, can we just talk about the, uh, the people that you met and, and all that yeah. good stuff? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. The first thing that's shocking when you were in Philly is that we are an international church here in America, for sure. I mean, I would say, honestly, I mean, maybe some people will disagree with me, but I'd say probably half were Hispanic, half the people you saw, and then probably 10% were other, and then the rest were white. I mean, it was it was unbelievable how many Hispanics were there. It was amazing. And definitely, I felt like a little bit uh, like, man, I have to learn Spanish. Like, if I'm going to work for the church, I got to learn Spanish, you know? Yeah. So, so that was kind of, you know, interesting. I'll tell you, and I said in in the post, like, when I was in line, which I probably total for the whole weekend spent 10 hours in line, probably, (laughs) like literally probably, um, because I would let a group, so I was kind of coming in and out of security and stuff like that. Um, uh, Like, it was was a lot like a line you might see at, like, like a theme park or, like, a concert. Like, I remember a concert, going to a concert in high school, like a rock concert, and this was similar, like – it just was not your normal Catholic group of people. And it just attracted like a demographic that was just crazy. You know, so eventually I was like, I got to start asking these people like, you know, what's going on? <laughs> like why they're here and stuff like that. And, you know, I got into like really awesome conversations. There were a lot of businessmen there who worked in the city. And when they saw the preparations were like, I got to see what this is all about. Wow. Cause they just were shocked at how much prep, you know, preparing they did. Um, I talked to this one guy. I, I mentioned this in the post. Who he had a mohawk and he was dressed in all leather, and he was <laughs> he was awesome. He he described himself as agnostic. He was probably my age, probably like thirty. And um, I definitely like could feel like right away that he was kind of like just fed up with his life. Didn't feel like a lot of meaning or anything like that. And had been listening to Pope Francis just because of the you know the stardom that he's created, you know, and uh, and just like was hoping that this stuff he said about having a personal relationship with Jesus was true. And was hoping to come and get a glimpse of the guy who's saying this. And so we had this awesome conversation. We ended up praying together and we hugged and everything. It was like, you know, it was like the kind of situation that evangelists dream of, you know. So yeah. it was like great. That, yeah. That's awesome. I um like what what specifically uh like what did you say to lead him up to the point of like, can we pray together? Yeah. Okay. So he was saying that uh so he was saying like, so I'm kind of just hoping for like an experience. Like where I really feel like God explicitly calling me into a relationship. He's like, I feel like that would be that. And I was like, well, that's strange. You know, I feel like just the fact that you're looking for that might be God calling you, yeah. might be God tugging your heart. You know, like oftentimes that's what God does is he speaks like just kind of by tugging our heart. And, you know, what if we just, what if we just right now ask God to come into our midst, like in the midst of all these people and just, and just speak to you, you know? And so he was like, Really? And I was like, yeah. I was like, of course. I was like, we believe that God, I believe that God will speak to you 
you know, if you're open to it and then why don't we just, why don't we try right now? So we literally like found a little spot in the line. I like, we like huddled together. We like prayed and I just like prayed like, Lord, you know, this man is looking, he's searching for something. He's sick of the boredom and the meaninglessness and he wants something. Please just come into our minutes. And and if you have something to say to us, say something. And just like within minutes, he was just crying, you know, and we were hugging and everything like that. And uh, it was literally like the kind of thing, like where I was like, without him seeing me, like looking at the people in line and being like, go around me. It's okay. <laughs> like, this is more important, you know, cause we were holding up the line a little bit. So, uh, yeah. so I, I had asked him like afterwards, like, well, you know, did you feel anything? He was like, yeah, I, I've never felt anything like that. You know, he was <laughs> like, I, I don't know what it was, but it was real. <laughs> wow. uh, so yeah, it was cool. That's amazing. Now let's talk about, uh, I know you're, you're constrained on time. Let's talk about the, the environmentalist. Uh, oh yeah. 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 First of all, I met a bunch of environmentalists, like a bunch of people who were yeah. there, specifically because like the credibility on the environment and this particular one, she was a young girl and she had worked for like all the different radical environmental agencies that like, you know, places I couldn't disagree with more, but now she, I think she saw how radical they were because many of them are so anti-life and she doesn't work for them anymore, but she felt like that protecting the environment was a first principle for her. She felt like, look, we're born into this world. So shouldn't one of the first things we do is protect the environment? And she felt like because no churches are saying this, they didn't have their first principles right. And so she couldn't listen to the rest of the stuff they said. Mm. So we, we talked a little bit about that and like just what, what it means to have first principles and things like that. Um, <laughs> but she said, you know, Francis has kind of opened her up to that. And so we started talking about like the creation narrative and Eden. And, you know, I'm a big uh, St. Francis of Assisi nut. So we started talking about how Francis like, you know, experiences a new Eden because of his holiness and how the real thing that puts us at, you know, at, uh, uh, what do you want? Harmony with nature is, is holiness, you know, is like a, a balance between us and God really. Yeah. And, um, and so she was like digging it. She loved it all. She loved it all. And she was like really interested in it. Um, but it would just took that little bridge of, of the Pope saying, you know, this is really important. We, this is for all of us, you know? Yeah. In, uh, in your post, you talked about, um, that we will need to expand our idea of who Francis is building bridges to. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean by that? You mean all these people and. Right. Right. You know, uh, yeah, because I mean, you expect people who are like maybe even nominally Catholic to be in line. These people were radically different than that. They were it was not even in their you know mainstream to to, to even consider the church. You could tell five years ago, you know, but this is like for some reason. Well, we know what the reason is, you know, the Francis effect. They're like interested in all this. Yeah. And and it's opening up bridges. The, the the girl said that you know she was having a really hard time because she would read everything he wrote about the environment, and she said she'd read one line about the environment and then ten lines about Jesus, and she'd be like, "What is you know? Why is he associating the two? You know, for for weeks and weeks and weeks." So it was like really interesting. Yeah. Wow, that yeah, is, it was awesome. That is amazing. It, you know, your comment about learning Spanish. Uh, it, yeah, it pulled up this thing in my head about. Um, uh, in in the book Forming Intentional Disciples, Sherry mentions how uh, one of our friends Bob Levznavsky's group, Dirty Vagabonds, how they have a, a missionary out in like New York or like the Bronx or something like that, and it's like a older white community that's being replaced by young um, Chinese, oh, okay. and they're coming into the community. And so the older white people, instead of like running away or being pissy, they are learning Chinese. That is awesome. Like, isn't that incredible? So that they yeah. can bring, I love that. I love that. Yeah. That um, is awesome. 
And now what do you mean by he has brought the evangelical language forward by light years? Do you mean in terms of focusing well, so well, razor sharp on encounter and all that? Yeah, it was bizarre how many people were talking about having personal encounter with the Lord and a real, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, you know, I grew up in a charismatic background, so I've always heard that, but never in a church background, not Catholic church background. That's something that evangelicals talk about. And now all of a sudden he's saying it so simply and so often it's like everybody's adopting that language. And it's yeah. – I think it's helping a lot because, you know, for, unfortunately Catholics have the complicated language, right? Like union with God or something yeah. like that, right? And now he's kind of making that simple and easier to understand. That's awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, he, he – I mean, he doesn't use the we. I think Pope Frank, uh, Pope uh, right. JP two was the first one to break with the royal we, right? But uh, j- he writes conversationally so much. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, and I think like so many people on Saturday night when he went off, you know, off script, it was like I, I can't imagine. I mean, we'll know when we get to heaven. There'll be like scoreboards and records, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> like how how many people gave their life to the Lord, you know, after hearing. Kerygma preach like that because yeah. it was just out of this world. Yeah, you know? after hearing the Kerygma preach like that, absolutely. Your audio went a little Skype, Skype. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, so uh, I want to talk. Uh, you have one other group that you mentioned, and then I want to ask you kind of like a pointed question. Um, yeah. You talk about that you met uh, a whole bunch of people who identify themselves as gay that were there. Yeah. Yeah. What, what was yeah, I've probably convers- met 10 to 20 people like that. Yeah. What was your conversations like? Uh, you know, how did, uh, how did you, I mean, like, you look gay, yeah. sir. Can I? <laughs> no, no. Oh, no. They were, yeah, they were like, I, I just started asking everybody, like, why they were there and things like that. And uh, um, one couple, you know, they were, they were with each other. You know, there was a couple with each other, two girls, and they were holding hands, you know. So I immediately wanted to know, you know, what, what they were there for. Yeah. It, one interesting thing, there were no protest. I, I saw no protesters at all. Wow. Like, at all. I, and may, I'm sure they were there, but I never saw them. So I just wondered, you know, why they were there. I wanted to talk to them and everything. And they they were really, like, interested in, in quote, the Pope who doesn't judge. Yeah. Pope who doesn't judge. And I, you know, I thought, man, this, you know, I'm, I, I, was, I learned so much in line about how to evangelize, you know. And, I'll, you know, I, I do it for a living. And it's like, <laughs> you know, I learned so much because it's like, yeah, uh, you know, why would I ever have thought that I could start with, you know, heart, like the really tough teachings and move to a relationship after yeah. You know, it's relationship first and tough teachings. Those conversations were not as fruitful, I would say, just because, um, you know, I mean, it that's a difficult situation that they're, you know, yeah. it's, just, it's talking years for the, for Christ to penetrate their hearts and and convict them of what needs to be convicted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so the point of question. Uh, well, I man, I have so many things I want to. How much time do you got left? I have. I can give you nine minutes. Nine minutes. Okay. Um, I have uh, a bunch of people on my Facebook feed and in my personal life that were so disappointed with the Pope. Oh, yeah. And these are Catholics who are just so disappointed in him. Yeah. Uh, why, why, why are people disappointed and what would you say? I'm actually being there, what would you say to them in response? You know, like, honestly, I don't know. Especially that they didn't mention abortion when he was yeah, in front of right. the, uh, the president or gay marriage or any of that stuff. What would you say? Of course. Yeah. And, and let me just say, like, I, I'm sure that you may have some disagreements with what I'm about to say because – you're more enlightened than I am, but uh, I would say I I understand these people because as an evangelist, he's like the most exciting thing that ever happened to me. As a catechist, I get horrified by the things that he says because I have to explain them to the really good Catholics, you know. Yeah. So I understand where they're coming from, but uh, after seeing in action the 
the bridges he was building that I know he could not have built if he had used the old language, if he had used, if he had come out with hard stances, you know, that we all agree with. I mean, we're all on the same page here. We we all agree that abortion needs to end. It's the most evil thing happening. But the fact that he didn't start with those things, clearly this man has in mind, the only thing this man has in mind is saving souls. And it it is very clear to me that that is his strategy. Um, And I I think he has the luxury of not having to explain himself, you know, so it's the Pope, right? I mean, he doesn't necessarily need to, we can, we can assume that he knows what he's talking about, you know? Yeah. And obviously it was working. I could tell. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Going forward, what, uh, uh, Sherry Waddell responded by saying, uh, you know, we, we are so, uh, we always pray for God to bring the people, but then literally when they all showed up in Philadelphia, how how do we manage this? How, How do we as a church go from here? What's the next step after this? Yeah, I, well, I think definitely for me, I'm going to ride the Francis wave for sure, like at the parish, you know, as someone who is in charge of evangelization at a parish, and in that I'm going to offer maybe some, uh, I'm going to take his same strategy, you know, we're going to do some stuff on the environment, on the care for an environment, we're going to do some stuff on immigration and things like that, and ride that wave a little bit because of the people who it attracts, you know, wow. uh, but also people who are currently in the pews need to in some way ex- experience what we experience in Philly and widen their hearts drastically. I actually had a chance to go to the Pittsburgh mass where Bishop Zubik celebrated it. Yeah. And I thought he, he did the best job of explaining Francis's uh, uh, teachings in that he said, what Francis is saying is that we need to drastically widen our hearts. Wow. And I think that that is exactly the truth that we need to drastically widen our hearts. So, um, you know, I, I think that's what's going to have to be taught to the people who are then going to go out and evangelize is, you know, uh, we need to just totally change the idea of who we think we're looking for. You know, that's awesome. Yeah. My whole thing is uh, people yelling at me about this. I have text messages of angryness uh, and, yeah. and, and, and really just bitter. And they said, well, why isn't he doing this? And why isn't he talking about this? You know, and I just. In my head, I'm like, I don't, I don't understand how you don't get what it means to win someone over. You don't walk up to right. them and say, "Look how wrong you are, you stupid idiot." You don't do that right, to your right. to your estranged dad. You don't do that to your non practicing cousins at right. Thanksgiving. You walk up and you say, "How you doing?" Like you right. build a simple bridge. And he has, he ha- he is. Th- this is the one difference between JP two and Benedict and him is that it's like he's not afraid to use the papacy to have that conversation. Of course, whereas right. the other popes. Very particularly yeah. were, and I think at that time, I don't think we could have a Francis without a JP2 or a Benedict who so clearly defined what we need to do and believe as Catholics in an age where, I mean, the 70s and 80s were a disaster for right. the church catechetically, and they were right. catechetical masters. But now right. it's like, okay, you Catholics who agree with JP2 and Pope Benedict. Now it's time to be like Pope Francis and go after – it's like he they, – they clarified for the people on the right what we need to believe. And now it's like, okay, well, now let's go after the left with the things that they love and long for. And let's find a place for them in our church instead of just ignoring them until they be- become a Republican or something like that. You know? Am I saying – does that sound weird? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would say to those people that absolutely. assuming that Pope John Paul and – Pope Benedict, I mean, I would assume that behind closed doors, they were doing the same thing. It's just like Francis was like, wait a minute. 
if I can build bridges behind closed doors, what if I just did it at this microphone right here? You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think I, they understood evangelization. They just didn't use the papacy, like you said, to, to do that, you know, yeah. um, which I'm going to get ripped for saying that statement right there. They didn't use the papacy to evangelize, which everyone hopefully knows what I mean there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, the way I phrase it is he is unafraid to leverage the entire office of the papacy right. to convert one person, whereas exactly. the others were very busy shoring up the teachings that were being jettisoned post-Vatican II. Like, you know, you don't even hear Pope Francis talk about Vatican II. You know, it's right. like JP2 and Benedict are, like, fighting for the hermeneutic of continuity, and then Pope Francis yeah. is like, okay, I'm assuming that exists. All right, all you people who have left the church, I'm going to start speaking to you now. Yeah. And it's right. like, yeah, but no, come talk to me. I want you to yeah. talk to me only. <laughs> it's like, no, yeah, forget it, you. You're good. Right, and don't you think also, like, I, I don't think he has any, any, quant- like, I don't think the American press has ever come into his mindset. Like, I don't think he cares one bit what they say about him or anything like that. You know, it's like, you know, so I think that we have to understand that, you know, the church is universal, not just American. Yeah. And lastly, catching Fox's, um, uh, homework or follow up. Um, last episode that you did perched like a bird. Did you like that title? Perched like a bird. I loved it. Nice. Um, your episode was incredible. Uh, we have people who are reposting it saying like, I can't stop talking about it. This brought healing. Ignite, oh, great. Yeah, great stuff. But we have one, Alicia, listener, said, uh, by the way, can I, she said it ignited her soul. But then she said, by the way, can I get that old school charismatic playlist? Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd be so horrified by this playlist. Uh, no, they, but, she would be horrified uh, yeah, by I'm, your I'm... She would be horrified by your workout playlist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but just, dude, screenshot some of them to me, and then okay, I'll put I'll, them up. I think that will be awesome. Well, but let me just say that they will use a lot of synthesizer. <laughs> a lot of synthesizer. And a lot of tambourine. Okay, oh, so. man. Glad tambourines. I always joke. I was like, whenever I describe myself liturgically, I'm like, I am very comfortable in the Latin mass sitting next to an elderly woman praying the rosary and a woman with a mantilla. And I'm very comfortable in a charismatic mass yeah. next to the 80 year old man with a tambourine in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. All righty, David. Uh, thank you so much for hopping on here. Um, hopefully we'll have this bonus episode posted um, tonight. I am going to uh, really just kind of make sure that that happens. Luke interviewed his friend. And so I'm going to try to put them both together into one bonus episode. Your thoughts were great. Thank you very much. I appreciate God it. Bless your family. Oh, wow. You're so sweet. You're so sweet. All right, take care, man. Bye.